It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to the newest episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. John Schmoke with you, today's guest from Sirius XM NFL Radio, Solomon Wilcox. But first, I want to remind you that... The Giants Huddle Podcast is part of our podcast network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and on all your favorite podcast platforms. Now we're joined by our guest. He hosts the Morning Drive for Sirius XM NFL Radio. Former NFL player, he is Solomon Wolcott. Solly, long time no speak, man. Good to hear from you. How are you? Schmelk, always great to hear from you and great to be on with you today. I'm doing great, man. I'm holding up okay during this global pandemic, and so I hope you're being safe as well. Uh, absolutely. Happy New Year. Here's to a better year ahead. Uh, let's start here. Overall, big picture Giants here. They've lost three in a row, Solly, heading into the final week against Dallas. What do you think they really need to start doing better if they want to win this game and at least give themselves a fighting chance heading into that Sunday night game between Philly and Washington? Well, I, I think for the Giants, it's clear it starts with their ability uh, to protect their quarterback and get back to running the football like what you saw when they were, you know, on that four-game win streak. They were really doing a good job of running the ball. You know, if you ever told me they could run the ball without Saquon Barkley, I would have said no. But, <laughs> you know, with, with, with Gallman, I mean, they, they've been able to do it, and they were showing that they were protecting – the quarterback better, and as a result, Daniel Jones is doing a better job of protecting the football, and that's how they go out to Seattle and beat them. They ran the ball down Seattle's throat, and they protected the ball, didn't turn it over. I, I think the defense all year has been consistently good and getting better, but if the offense is going to become a double agent in the operation and start uh, helping the other team, it makes it hard to win games. No, it absolutely does. And, Sally, I think really the trick the last three games is that the team has gotten behind early, and they've been unable to stick with that run game. You mentioned the pass protection. They didn't give up a single sack to Arizona or Baltimore in the first halves of those games. In the second half, they gave up more than 10 combined in those two games. And I think fans overlook sometimes, and I know you can speak to this obviously having played, once the defense knows you have to throw the ball because you're down, you know, three scores, 17-3, 20-3, whatever the case might be in the third and fourth quarter, it makes it a lot easier to put pressure on the quarterback. And I think that's when we've seen the warts of this Giants offensive line come out when they can't use the running game to protect the pass protection of that offensive line a little bit. You know, you're absolutely right. And when they and listen, when they get to lean on and and a defense that undersized, for instance, say the Arizona Cardinals. Think about it. Last week, the 49ers had over 200 yards rushing against the Cardinals. But, you know, a a lot of those rush yards, as you mentioned, come later in the game when you just continue to lean on them and lean on them. They want to run that amoeba defense where guys are kind of standing up around the line of scrimmage, confusing your your, uh, protection scheme. Well, you can't do that if if you're pounding the run game at them. And that's something the Giants didn't get to do in the second half of the game. They got behind the eight ball, and, man, did it did snowball on them big time with the game Hassan Riddick had. And so it just proves that that defense, if you're running on them, they're going to look a lot different than if you're forced to have to come from behind and throw the ball the entire second half. Yeah, and the Giants have not been a very efficient passing team all year, Solly, and I think a lot of people point to Daniel Jones. Obviously, everything around the quarterback affects the quarterback. 
But what do you think about Jones's progress in his second year? Obviously, his counting stats, not what they were in his first, some of the underlying statistics. I don't PFF, for example, has Jones graded higher this year than he did last, despite the fact the counting stats aren't there. Your thoughts on Jones's second year? No, because he is more efficient. He plays better. Um, and obviously, I mean, let's face it, when he came out of Duke, I don't think many of us thought that the Giants could leverage his, his mobility to help fuel the offense. And I think it's something that they need to do more of, to be honest with you. You saw Ryan Tannehill in the Sunday night game against Green Bay run 42 yards. Well, we've seen runs longer for Daniel Jones in 2020. I think it's something they can do more with him. You and I both know the quarterback's ability to power the offense, the ones who are mobile, who can impact with, you know, the RPO scheme and play action, but also, um, you know, can, can tuck it and run it. They're going to help the offense so much more. Daniel Jones has the ability to do that. So, overall, I think his performance has been better. I just would like to see him protect the ball better, be more consistent in that area. You and I both know that's one of the maybe negative data points that's sort of carried over from last year to this year. Yeah, no question about it. And I wonder what you think the impact, Solly, is on Jones's inability to be mobile, and in a couple different ways. One, the read option plays. You mentioned a couple of those big chunk runs he had earlier in the year. And then being able to run for those four or five yards for a first down on second or third down. You know, since he hurt that hamstring and then the ankle, he hasn't really been able to run. He's indicated this week in his media calls, and Jason Garrett was just on as well and basically said that, look, because of those injuries, he's had to be a pocket quarterback. How much does that impact his effectiveness and the overall effectiveness of the offense? It, it's a big deal. In our game today, this is how much the league has changed. And I think, you know, if you really take a look at it, a quarterback who's not mobile, man, you better be really smart. You better be so dialed in like Drew Brees, Tom Brady dialed in at understanding protections and having a good feel for the game. That ball's got to come out quick. I mean, quick. And even Aaron Rodgers is a mobile guy. He moves around very well. Russell Wilson, you know, forget about Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray. We know those guys. That, to me, they're next-generation quarterbacks. And if you're going to play in this league against the athleticism that we see on defenses, there's nothing but speed on that side of the ball. You've got to be mobile if you're going to survive in this league. And that's where I think Jared Goff, is really struggling when he gets out of the pocket. He's not as natural. It doesn't have that feel for the game. Um, so if you can't run, particularly with someone like Daniel Jones, when you're used to being able to use your wheels, man, it's like tying one hand behind your back, and he can't bring his full talent to the table when it comes to trying to help this team win games. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Sally, let's head over to the defense. What have you liked about the way Patrick Graham has coached up this defense? They don't do it in a traditional way. They play a lot of zone. They run a lot of three, four safety now packages out there since Xavier McKinney's gotten back. They don't have that great edge rusher, but they get good interior rush with like the Leonard Williamses and the Dexter Lawrences. So your thoughts on the way... Patrick Graham's been able to, to transform what I think everyone thought would be a weakness of this team before the year into one of its strengths. Well, when Xavier McKinney went down early, I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, I, I really felt bad for him. And, and they were smart to go out and pick out, um, you know, Logan Ryan yeah. to 
because here's a guy that, I mean, he, he can flat out play. I've always liked him, even when he was in New England with the Tennessee Titans. He's been a player everywhere he's gone. He represents, you know, some of the positive things about our league and the way you study. And safeties have to be able to be not only physical players, but cerebral players because they've often got to match what the quarterback is doing and be able to articulate and communicate that to the other guys in the huddle. It starts at that safety position. And then if you have ball skills, now that just takes your game to the next level. So when you mention, you know, their ability to play three safeties at once, because Jabril Peppers is a real talent now. This guy, he's a tremendous talent. So with he, Xavier McKinney, and Logan Ryan on the same on the field at the same time, it really helps them. And what James Bradbury has given them at the cornerback position, when you're good in today's NFL, smell on the back end, that means you're not giving up explosive pass plays. That means you're keeping the ball in front of you. Yep. That means you're a good tackling group. Now that gives you a chance to get off the field on third down, to create turnovers, and put your offense on the short field. You are playing at the highest level. That means you're going to have a top ten defense. I can tell you that. If you look at what Buffalo has done, what the Patriots had done leading up to this year, they put all the resources in the secondary. Bill Belichick doesn't pay pass rushers. He pays <laughs> pass defenders like Stephon Gilmore. Because in today's NFL, it's about shutting down the passing game. The Giants have built something quietly. It's really about what they're doing on the back end. And, you know, I think Blake Martinez has come over. He's helped them um, up the middle. You know, they've done a really good job of just playing a, a good defense where they're not allowing a lot of big plays and getting off the field on third down. I just like what they – and they're stout up front now. Um, Dexter Lawrence is phenomenal. I mean, he's, he's a big-body guy that's hard to move. That's why they can run that 3-4 front. And so they just got to continue to just keep getting better. Uh, but this is a far cry better than what we saw in the recent past two years on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, Sally, only five teams have allowed fewer passes of 20-plus yards, only – Five teams have allowed fewer passes of 40-plus yards. So I actually asked Joe Judge about that the other day, and his answer to me was, look, I'd much rather deal with a death, death by a thousand cuts and make a team sustain a drive against me than have that one you know, javelin get sent right through your heart on a big play. And you're right, they've done an excellent job all year uh, preventing those big plays over the top in those heavy zone schemes. Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC. All right, Sally, let's focus on this game against the Cowboys. I'm trying to get a read on Dallas here. They've won three straight. They've kind of settled in with Andy Dalton and their offensive line, even though none of their guys are still healthy. But the guys that have been out there, they've been playing a few straight weeks now. But they've also had like 10 takeaways the last three weeks. They're plus nine. That's a huge difference. What's your read on this Cowboys team in terms of where they're at right now? Is this really a good team? Have they just hit a good streak here? What are your thoughts on the Cowboys? Well, remember coming in, let's go back to what we were saying coming into the season. You know, we were we were touting this team to be a really good team, right? And then they started taking on the water with injuries on the offensive line. They lose that Prescott without having a full offseason. It was tough for Mike Nolan to really be able to institute his principles. And what you saw is a bunch of infighting. They almost turned in on themselves, right? But to Mike McCarthy's credit, he got the team to settle down and stop pointing fingers and, hey, let's start playing ball. And 
the defense has gotten better. You talked about it. They forced eight turnovers in their last three games, starting to take the ball away. The linebackers are always good. And, you know, Jalen Smith and, and Leighton Vanderess, these guys can make plays, man. I mean, we knew that coming in. What they weren't getting is they weren't getting a pass rush, right? And they're starting to be a little bit better at that. They weren't getting turnovers on the back end. And the defense, the second they were getting shredded, talking about not giving a big play, that was their marquee. They always gave up big plays and allowing teams to score 30 points uh, in consecutive weeks. And so now they've they stabilize. I think Andy Dalton's given them the veteran presence, and it's allowed, you know, after getting over this offensive line rash of injuries, protecting Andy Dalton has allowed the receivers, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper, to just explode. I, I thought coming in that Michael Gallup was as good of a number two receiver as any team had in the league. And he's proven that, and he's had to do it while sharing the ball with two other guys in C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. Uh, if he hits the free agent market this year, he's going to get big numbers. So they've got talent, but I credit the coaching for keeping them together, focused, and, and playing hard down the stretch. That's not easy to do. And I, I, I really think Tony Pollard yeah. has been the best thing for Ezekiel Elliott. Because I think Ezekiel Elliott seen Tony Pollard say, hey, I, I need to get back on my game. And, and we saw that take effect last week against the Eagles. How much is it the offensive line getting better, Solly? How much is it Andy Dalton just doing a really good job of getting the ball out quick? I think he is the fourth lowest average time to throw of any quarterback the last month or so. Uh, do you see a big improvement from from that kind of hodgepodge offensive line group? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's stabilized. And that, that just, this happens if you you got to have time to play together, right? So the injuries were thrust. They put people in at different spots. And, you know, like Joe Looney, I mean, he, this is a guy that's a phenomenal player. I mean, he's got a good track record. I remember Terrence Steele at the right tackle position struggling earlier in the season and now has begun to stabilize and begun to get better. Connor Williams, the same thing at the left guard position. Struggled early, now getting better. Um, no one's in a worse position than Brandon Knight at the left tackle position. Uh, having to replace Tyron Smith, who went down early in the season, and Knight did struggle early on. All of those guys I mentioned, as time goes on, give them credit. They continue to battle, and they have continued to get better. And I got to tell you, I'm impressed with the coaching that Mike McCarthy has done. This, most teams, as you well know, smell when they when they start to point fingers and blame one another, new coaching staff. And you and I both know in Dallas, they can go complain to the owner. <laughs> but Jerry Jones stayed the he stayed the course, man. He held, he said, "Look, Mike McCarthy is my coach, and heck yeah, he's coming back next year." The guy didn't have a full a full off season. I I even credit Jerry at the top for having some discipline to not heed to the whining crybabies that tend to want to circumvent the coaching staff and go to the ownership group. And that's where teams can really be stabilized and. But uh, that didn't happen in Dallas. That's why you see them right in the thick of it as we head into Week 17. In terms of Andy Dalton, is he going to make as many of these big throws down the field? Is he looking to, to do more of that short passing game stuff? How should the Giants be prepared for dealing with Dalton's style of quarterbacking as opposed to Dak Prescott, who's going to you know chuck the ball downfield a little bit more? Well, Andy is not as a prolific a deep throw, thrower, but he can do it. I mean, uh, he can do it. Um, but what you have with C.D. Lamb, he's a can he get deep? Yes, but he's a yards after the catch guy. 
Amari Cooper is pretty much the same way. The best vertical guy really consistently, Michael Gallup now, because he's going to get single coverage. The other guys, you, you want to double them a little bit because they're so explosive. But you try to single cover Gallup, he'll beat you deep. So I think they'll take their shots. There's no doubt I think Andy Dalton would prefer the dink and dub, yards after the catch type deal. But these guys can spread your thin and your coverage. And if he, if he gets one-on-one, and, and it's against one of the guys who can get deep, like CeeDee Lamb or, or Michael Gallup or even Cooper, then you've got to take your shot. That's how quarterbacks are. They, they've got to know that they can win the matchup, and they've got to know that it's single coverage against a lesser cover corner guy. And you and I both know um, Isaac Yadam is a guy that they're going to take their shots. I think Bradbury's a guy that you tend to be a little more conservative against. Yeah, and then we're going to have the battle of the rookies with Darnay Holmes and CeeDee Lamb in the slot, so that should be fun to watch too. Uh, let's yeah. flip the script to the defense, Solly, for Dallas. What the hell is going on with their running defense? You mentioned it. They have talented linebackers, but boy, I just remember watching that Ravens game a few weeks ago, a couple of the games on tape last two weeks. There are these gaping holes where guys just aren't in the right gaps. What the heck's going on with that? See, what happens is, remember, they were one of these 3-4 teams, and now they're going to this 4-3 scheme. That was a lot of the complaints earlier this year, right? They're, they're trying to figure out what they want to play with the guys that they have. And when you start making these transitions, and that's where, you know, they've, you know with, with Mike Nolan, he's had to try to understand, what do I do? Uh, Everson Griffin didn't fit into a 3-4 scheme. He just didn't. There's no way he was going to. And so they're still trying to run the 3-4. You can see them high, going hybrid, trying to do a 4-3. But it's about run fits more than anything else. And they're not fitting up um, and trying to make this transition without the time to really rep it out. They've had to really endure just getting gashed up front. Um, they gave up uh, close to 500 yards total offense last week against the Eagles. Yeah. And so the defense has gotten lucky getting some of the turnovers, but you're right, they're still giving up way too many big plays. The Giants should look to stick with that run game early, try to lean on them a little bit, right? Try to gas them in the run game, and then take your shots in some play-action passes down the field um, after you can really get that run game going. Yeah, because you mentioned, you know, the Giants have a James Bradbury. I'm not sure if the Cowboys have a corner you really have to stay away from. So the Giants should be able to pretty much run their scheme, right, and just go wherever the play takes them. Oh, absolutely. No, I no, the Giants bring to this game the better secondary. I think the Giants bring the, <laughs> the better defense, to be honest sure. with you. So, uh, you know, it, this is about being able to get points on the board early, right, so you can stay in phase and stick to your game plan and not have to get outside yourself um, because there's no doubt Dallas does have an explosive offense. If they can get early points, um, get points early and get that lead and then force the Giants to have to throw to play catch-up. Hey, remember when these two teams played earlier in the season now, uh, the Giants, that was really their first game where they had explosive plays. Yeah, only, on really. <laughs> only, that game. only game, really. Oh, yeah, sorry, I got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> only, only, okay, okay. <laughs> You're right, though. That was 37-34, and uh, Greg Zerline had that, had that big, long 
long field goal. I think that's a, a yeah. I think it's interesting, Sally. How much can you take out of that game, or is it too long ago where these teams have changed so much where it, you really can't learn too much off of that tape since that was all the way back in week five? No, I, I, I think you can. I, you know, if you know when when you really uh, understand personnel, uh, that's what really helps drive it. And Jason Garrett, he knows. That's why I wasn't surprised when the Giants' offense exploded that week because Jason Garrett knows the personnel. And when you know the personnel of the opponent, you know what they'll bite on. You know what to what to dangle in front of them to allow yourself to get open maybe in a, at a deeper level on the field. You know, you know that a guy like Jalen Smith is very aggressive, play action, he's biting, okay, why pop behind him? You can literally stack your plays knowing what carrot to dangle in front of what defender to get another guy open in another area of the field. And so, no, that stuff still holds true now. Understanding personnel and having a deep understanding of it it really does help you to be able to stack plays in a way where you can be explosive on offense. He's gotten some heat from media and fans. You just brought up Jason Garrett, Sal. Your thoughts on the job he's done as OC this year? Listen, I think it's hard to do it, man, when you've got an offensive line that's not holding up. You know, when listen, I, you know, I know, I know, Andrew Thomas is taking his hits, right, and and rightfully so because that Arizona game, I mean, that was that was tough out, but. Coming in, coming out in our PFF database, and I remember we talked about all the offensive linemen. The one that I had the biggest concern for was this is before anyone drafted anybody. And I said, he's a waist bender. He tends to bend at the waist. When you bend at the waist, drop your head, and that swim of speed guys are going to beat you. Well, guess who came to town? Hassan Riddick is a speed guy. Okay? And so when, when you start dropping your head and your butt is in the air, it's going to be hard to hold up. So I know they've had some issues. They fired one offensive line coach, you know, elevated another. And these problems still exist because that's a technique that's inherent to who he's always been. And now it's going to have to be addressed during the offseason. You can't fix it so early. But I don't know that you point to Jason Garrett and say, well, he's the problem. I mean, he's dealing with a lot of moving parts. You lose Saquon Barkley and the way that he's leveraged and try to just lock down this offensive line. Let's get to running the ball and use Wayne Gallman. Uh, I, I think there's been some great moments in how they've used Gallman and Alfred Morris to be able to use the run game. No one could tell me that game planning didn't help them win when they went out and played Seattle and beat Russell Wilson. So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad, but give this some time because there's still some missing pieces on this offense. Uh, they got to get better in personnel. And then let's uh, let's judge Jason. I, I think he's done a good job. I think he's made the quarterback better also. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Jones is getting rid of the ball quicker, Sally. He, he's making fewer yep. mistakes. I think all those things are, are certainly check marks in his column. And I think the Giants, and this is another thing that I think people that look at the raw numbers don't get. I think once the Giants started 0-4 or so, Joe Judge kind of figured out his formula for winning, right? He goes, all right, look, our strength is our defense. We're going to play yep. a fairly conservative offense. We're going to try to protect the football, and we're going to try to let our defense win some games for us. And they thought that was their best way to victory here. So uh, it's weird to say it this way, but they're almost choosing not to be an explosive offense so they can avoid those negative plays, those turnovers, to allow their defense to go out there and win some of these games. You know what I'm saying? No, you have, it's called complementary football. You hear that term now being used a lot. What that is saying is that we're going to allow the – 
the defense, we're going to leverage our defense in these games. We're not going to just be wide open with the ball and throwing it all over the place, trying to be explosive, because it's kind of like baseball. You use the analogy when you swing it for the fences, you tend to strike out more, right? Yeah. But if you're willing to lay down a bunt or try to get to, to first base and get a single, your, your batting average goes up. It's the same in football. The more you swing for the fences, the more three and outs you're going to have. Well, with this team, the style of play and the defense you have, you try to convert, try to just try to be conservative on offense, stay on the field, knowing that your defense is going to get a turnover and shorten the field for you, score on those opportunities, try to get as many snaps as you can to keep your defense rested, but you're really working with the defense um, as an offensive group, not trying to be explosive or quick or up which really hurts your defense, by the way. No one knows that better than Chip Kelly. That's why he got ran out of Philly, <laughs> because he wasn't playing complimentary ball, Schmelt. You see, he exposed his defense. No, absolutely, Sally. I'm with you. Two final questions for Solomon Wilcots. Uh, Sally, I realize this is a Giants podcast, but I'm going to ask you about Washington and Philly because that game is just as important as the Giants-Cowboys game. I know it's tough. We're recording Thursday morning. We don't know if Alex Smith is going to play, which obviously has a huge impact on that game. Uh, but your thoughts on, on Washington-Philadelphia Sunday Night Football? Yeah, I, you know, I do think Washington's going to win the game. I, I, listen, that defense, I got to tell you, I've been impressed with them all season. I, they literally ruined the season for Carson Wentz. Remember week one, they beat him up. Yep. Sacked him eight times. Carson Wentz hadn't been the same since. And and the Washington team would have locked this thing up if they didn't have to deal with that hiccup, you know, and Dwayne Haskins and what he inflicted upon the team. And they still almost won. So having uh, Alex Smith on the center, if they can get him back, I think it makes them good enough to win this game against the Eagles. I, I see them winning the division. Now, if they lose and Giants win and get in, man, you and I both know that will be probably the best Christmas present of them all, right? I, absolutely. <laughs> you, you have a young team and a young coach to get them some playoff experience. That would be great. Uh, I'm assuming yeah. you like the Chiefs in the AFC as your favorite. Uh, if not, please please correct me. Uh, NFC-wise, how do you break this conference down, Sally? Are you a Rodgers-Packers guy? Do you think Breeze can finally make the run with the Saints in, in January? Is Russell Wilson going to turn it on? Uh, is Tom Brady going to do what Tom Brady does? I think it's a wide-open conference right now, and these playoffs are going to be really interesting. Yeah, I, I think the Chiefs are it, but the way the Bills are playing right now, Schmelk, Ooh, they're dangerous, man. Now. They're Their quarterback is, I think he's entered into the elite quarterback level. He's a top-tier, number-one-tier quarterback. Uh, Josh Allen is incredible. He moves well, can make all the throws. But on the NFC side, I think it is wide open. I think it's imperative that the Packers lock down this number-one seed and force people to have to go through Lambeau. As you know, as temperatures fall, that 40-year-old arm, whether it belongs to Tom Brady <laughs> or, or Drew Brees, I'm telling you now that you and I, weather, the game is played differently in, in December and January than it is in September, particularly up north. You let a nor'easter blow through there and, and tell me if a dome team is going to go up there and win. You tell me if a, if a team from South Florida or Central Florida is going to go up there and win or some team like the Rams or Seattle is going to go out there. I, I just think if they get a bye week, and, and it's frigid, I, I think that leverages the Packers' ability 
to win because not only do you have to beat Aaron Rodgers in the Packers, you got to beat Old Man Winter. And I'm gonna tell you right now, he's a pretty tough opponent. It's tough. That's why many teams haven't done it. And the Giants are one of the last teams to go up there. Yeah. I still remember Tom Coughlin with the Vaseline <laughs> on his face, man. <laughs> Not a pretty sight, but they were able to come out a winner. Yeah, and they won there in 2011 too. But uh, yeah, that 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 2007 game was the coldest weather I've ever been in. It was one of those deals, and you know, you know the Sally being in in the uh, Midwest like you are. When you go outside, and within like 20 seconds, you feel the moisture in your nostrils crystallize because it freezes. Yeah. That's what that day was. Oh, it sucked. And remember, the Giants are an outdoor team. They are a cold-weather team. So, okay, if you name me a cold-weather team that's playing in this tournament on the NFC side, then I'll say, okay, they get a shot. But there there isn't one. It's a dome team in the Saints. Seattle, Great Northwest, that's not cold weather. That's just that's a little bit of rain. (laughs) <laughs> and then you got the Bucks, the Rams, and the Bears aren't going to be there. And the Cardinals. I mean, come on. They're not – none of those teams are built for that. And you can tell me what Brady was used to playing in it in Gillette. But what about the other guy? I, I don't see that. Tom Brady's going to have to call Robert Kraft, see if the Bucks can practice up at Gillette for a week before their playoff game. I think that might help him. I don't know. <laughs> that would help. That would help. Solly, right. <laughs> let's, let's close with this and, 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 and just get back to the Giants very quickly. Big picture, Joe Judge, the talent on the roster, but, but I guess focus on the coach and, and, and what he's establishing. Do you think this program is heading in the right direction? Yes, because you know, at the end of the day, when you're a head coach, the most important thing is you've got to coach your coaches, right? Um, and, and you've got to have those guys, and clearly he's a take-charge guy, and he got the players to believe in him early. Uh, I remember uh, interviewing him for our training camp show, and we talked about you know forcing guys to run laps and trying to just instill the discipline and the focus to attention that's needed, and he won them over. They didn't think, um, they didn't think anything wrong with that. They understood in order to get this thing turned around, they, those things were going to be needed. And he survived it. I mean, he, he was able to get the players to focus in, and then they play hard for him. That's what coaching is about. It's about motivation. It's about communication. It's about handling the psychology of players and getting them to want to improve and get better every single day. So they're hanging on your every word. They're trusting that you're going to give them the formula for success. And, and I see a concerted effort between the players and the way that they're playing for Joe Judge um, to say that yes, this can work. Now it's got to it's got to carry over to a second season. He's got to be able to build it. They got to get their quarterback going next level. But but I, I so far I like what I see. Absolutely. And hopefully next year we will get to see you at Quest and and East Rutherford uh, for your training camp show, Solly. Uh, tell the folks where they can find your work on Sirius and with Pro Football Focus. Well, absolutely. You can go to my Twitter handle, um, at Solomon's Wisdom, um, and also go to pff.com and read some of the articles that we write there and look at some of the work that we do to evaluate players, evaluate teams. Uh, We think it'll help you enjoy the game that much better. We know it's analytics, but guess what? Analytics has been around for a very long time. The great Vince Lombardi used it. Roger Staubach used it, using IBM computers. It was just called something different. So uh, we think it helps helps viewers to enjoy the game that much more. You know, Solly, you know, you're a former player. I have a lot of Giant fans that 
kind of get on me and always bang me because I like using a lot of the data you guys use at PFF because I can't sit there and watch every tape of every game of every team of every player. So I think we need a baseline to judge. How do you find them useful, what you guys do over at PFF, in terms of how you have to do your show every morning on Sirius and talk about all 32 teams when there's no way you can watch the game tape of every single team every week? Yeah, we can use the database to go in and take a look at the numbers. There, the numbers, think about the numbers. Um, in terms of our database, okay, you can go to your newspaper and look at the box score, but there are so many things that are left out, right, but not in our PFF database. I mean, we uh, grade every player on every single play. We have former coaches all around the country and in other parts of like the U.K. and in Europe who are grading tape, and they understand football. They've coached football. They know what the responsibilities are. There's nothing, you know, you and I work in the TV and media business. There's nothing that goes on the cutting room floor. And you know what I mean when I say that. Of course. I mean, we, yeah, we, we put everything into the evaluation process. For instance, uh, let's say a quarterback throws a play, Smelky throws the ball down the field, hits the defensive back, not his receiver, and the defensive back drops it, right? And we call that and label that a turnover-worthy play. In other words, the quarterback, his job, his performance on that play should have led to a turnover. But it wasn't because the DB dropped it. So at the end of the game, your guy has three touchdowns and one interception. My guy has four touchdowns. You know, my guy had the better game, not just because he had four touchdowns, but he had no turnover-worthy plays. We didn't rely on the defense to drop it in order for my quarterback and for his, his data to appear to be positive. So all of those things go into the evaluation. If you've got to sign players in free agency and want to know who's playing well, um, if you've got to draft kids out of college and know who's going to be better in my system, the database, I'm telling you, it unlocks a lot of secrets that do not go into the regular box score to help you evaluate players. Ours is so much more comprehensive it's, you know, Chris Collins' words, he owns the company, he stands by it, he believes in it. You see a lot of our data on the sun, on Sunday Night Football in America. They do a great job with it, he and Al Michael. So uh, we know that it's a part of the future. It's here to stay. We're asking people to embrace it and learn more and enjoy the game at a much higher level. Sally, we appreciate you being so generous with your time. Thanks so much. You can hear Solomon Wilcox on Sirius XM NFL Radio every weekday morning, getting you ready for the NFL every week. Sally, stay safe, my friend. Hopefully we'll see you sooner than later, bud. You're the best, Mel. Thanks for having me. Take care, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well, Sally. That's Solomon Wilcox from Sirius XM NFL Radio Pro Football Focus. Make sure you check it out again. The opening drive can be heard from 7 to 10 every weekday morning on Sirius XM. And, of course, you can hear all our Giant games on Sirius XM as well. Remember, folks, the Giants Little Podcast is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. Make sure you check out the archive of all our shows at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and on your favorite podcast platforms. For Solomon Wilcots, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next time, everybody. Enjoy the game this weekend. Stay safe.